So today is the 21st of September, 2017, and this chapter, in, in a way, is it's titled False Generalizations, but the wrap-up of the whole chapter is in the last two sentences. Joko says, even a minimal awareness of how much time we spend buying into our self-centered thoughts is useful. Of course, in a few minutes, we'll all be doing it again. And what she means by all be doing it again means again we'll be in self-centered thinking, feeling, without noticing it. Um, and that's the point about this buying into it, because the buying into it is what we seem to do. And buying into is buying into what she calls false generalizations. And that's what this chapter wants to encourage us to see, to do, to take care of. Um, Not because they're bad, except when we buy into them, then they become a problem. Otherwise, they're just products of our mind chatter. And yet, we seem to so easily buy into them. So, let's talk about the buying into and the pain sometimes when we notice how much we're believing our thoughts and the consequences of it and the, we could say, resistance to not holding on. And that's what the pain is, is our wanting to, even if we don't know it, wanting to hold on to the self-centered thoughts, or as she puts it, false generalizations. So, I, I will stop here, since all of you are expert on this, at least expert in the sense you begin, you've noticed how this works in your life. And let's see what there is in this chapter that you want to bring up and clarify. Well, she she uses the words, concepts, and thoughts, thinking, you know, to to kind of point to our experience of this. Uh Um, But, I mean, isn't it, I mean, our thoughts and thinking are products of our, what I want to say, our opinions or our attitudes, which we really, we might be aware of the thoughts that arise from, you know, our attitude about something or our opinion or the, the story we're going by. Yeah, but the attitude doesn't exist except as a story 
the attitude only exists Look, at this present the moment. Concepts don't exist without that basis, that that firmly held belief. No, about no, something. no. It there is no firmly held belief except the way it manifests this present moment. Otherwise, there is no where that you could point to and say, there is my firmly held belief. I'm right now taking it off the shelf and I'm going to plug it in and then I'm going to say something based on that. <laughs> it, that's, I mean, that's part of our story of ourself. I have these firmly held beliefs and she has those and he has those and there he goes, is doing it again. And therefore, I'm going to be angry at him because not only is it this moment of what he's doing, which is a small thing, but he's doing it again. I told him last time not to do it. How come he doesn't remember? He's so, and you fill it in. See, that whole generalization is exactly what she wants to get to here. I think so, because I guess what I'm saying is, is, you know, that's how we become, I mean, she talks about our strategies in a, in a different part, I don't know if this book or the other one, she talks about our strategies, which which are, you know, manifest as our thoughts and our concepts and our, our opinions. But really, she, she says that our strategies are based on our core beliefs. Yeah, but, but all of those don't exist anywhere except in the present moment, the way they come up now. We don't. Yeah, they don't exist in our awareness, except how they come up in our thoughts, our concepts. They, they don't exist in, on any shelf in any universe, except, <laughs> except the way they come up now. Now, you could say there's cause and effect. Of course, there's cause and effect that manifests now, but... It's the now manifesting, even though we might just be aware of the tip of a much bigger manifesting Uh thought, feeling, generalization, story, whatever. But it's only this moment that's ours to work with, to notice. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That's how we work with it. That's how... It's in our awareness, that's that's our practice effort. And that's how it's in our unawareness, too. I mean, it doesn't exist anywhere else except as we start teasing it out, we discover this continuous pop, pop of it coming up. You know, uh-huh. he does that. but he, And he yeah, but always saying, does it. You're saying it's, it's not ours to work with our unawareness. It's well, ours to work with what arises in this moment as thought, as concept, as generalization, which is what she says. Yeah, if you want to say there's an unawareness that this is all connected to, if that theory helps you, fine. Well, you just said it. But, but, but there's no point in holding on to that as a blame or a cause, except as you can... That's why when she uses the word false generalizations because uh, as she says at the end of the second paragraph such generalities obscure the specific concrete reality of our lives what is happening for us at this moment and that's all we can do anything with so to speak Um, 
we can okay. say I believe all sorts of things, and then I ask you what you could say. I believe, you know, it's always so hot in the Midwest. Humidity, humidity is terrible. It's not fair. Um, I should should never be in the Midwest in September. I should take September off. You know, I know that's the worst month, etc., etc. But those all come up as we say them, as we think about them, as we reflect on them, in the sense that this human being that we are is the product of so-called past and so-called future. But it's how it comes out now that's ours to do, ours to live, or ours yeah, that's, that's to get. interesting. Uh, when you know when I when thoughts or concepts arise about you know uh, they, she she shouldn't say that you know she she should speak in a different tone of voice to me or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, it it's helpful. I guess what I'm saying is it's helpful to to in a, being aware of that thought and that conceptualization to see that it it comes from a belief that I shouldn't be talked to like that. I, I'm the kind of person that doesn't deserve to be talked to like that, which is kind of the underlying thing. Now, in, in realizing that, it doesn't erase it. It doesn't change it. Firmly held beliefs don't go up in a puff of smoke once you shine the light on them. But it does make me more sensitive and more aware and more perceptive to when these things arise. Yeah. And does that make sense? I would add one step more. These things don't exist except when they arise. Now, and that's where you take care of them. Or as Joko says, good practice always entails moving through our concepts. And what she means is not being blinded or holding on to them, but noticing and practicing with the concept. And the concept isn't in some bag that we're carrying on our shoulder that we pull out. It's in this cause and effect processing that is our life, in in whichever way you want to uh, talk about it, that manifests it now, whether you say neurological, whether you say emotions, whether you say thoughts, whether you say conscious and unconscious. Those are just ways that might be skillful to talk about it. Or they might be useless because we hold on to them and they blind us. So it depends on whether the generalization is useful or false and problematic. Yeah. So I'll end my 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 statement by saying that what you're saying is what's important to us is the practice opportunity. That, that presents itself when we notice yes. these concepts, these yes. ideas, yes. these thoughts. Yes. And the experiencing, even the experiencing of what's so-called pain, when that's there. Because not acting out our concepts, not holding on to concepts when they arise, often is experienced by us as painful because we're so sure that we have to do it the way the concepts say. I mean, it could be even painful just sitting and wanting to think more about what she said to me yesterday and what I'm going to say to him tomorrow. 
And not doing that is almost painful, strange as that may be. You're welcome. So, so you're saying that there, we, we haven't got a set of beliefs kind of hanging in our brain? or Well, can you show me where they are? No, I can't. I, have you ever I found them? Very well. have, have you ever found them when you looked for them? Yeah, in a way, if I, if I think, like, what do I think about rednecks? Oh, oh, oh wait, wait, wait. That's thinking about <laughs> it. I said looked yeah. for them. I would know, but you know, but that if I have an idea about you know, what I think about rednecks, it, that's always there. If I think about, it, if I don't think about it, it doesn't come up, then I don't feel it doesn't come up. But uh, I sure. see. So, so where is it when you when you don't think about it? I don't know. Good. It's kind of hidden away somewhere, but it feels like that there ought to be there somewhere. You know, like some kind uh-huh. of library shelf or something that you can in. You know, very, very accessible if I, if I think about it, you know, if I think of Martians or rednecks or whatever, I have all kinds of ideas come up and, and positions about it and how it ought to be, and what it, you know, even though I may not necessarily believe, you know, it, it's just there, you know, if I think about it, if I... Uh-huh. You know, the neurological activity that manifests as thoughts that we're conscious of or feelings that we're conscious of occurs a considerable time before we're actually conscious of it. In other words, considerable meaning um, neurologically considerable. That could mean uh, hundreds or thousands or more of seconds prior to. In other words, before you actually are aware that you're thinking about something, the neurological um, functioning that gives rise to that thinking is there. Um, and the physiological functioning is there. So, but it's there, and then it ceases to be there. In other words, there isn't, uh, they haven't found any um, library in our brain or in our body um, of permanent thoughts, even though different functioning in our body and in our brain seems to give rise to thoughts and feelings and so forth. And then it it, it depends on whether we're skillful enough enough to observe that when it's happening and and either respond some appropriate way or or, or not. More than that is whether we're physically practice-wise willing to be the experiencing of that thought, emotion, body. And in experiencing, being able to, in a sense, let go of body-mind in that experiencing. Or whether the pain and the 
liking and disliking keeps us from doing that. See, that's... um, She talks about that in different ways. Um, She talks about... Actually, on page 175, she talks about situations where we, quote then we have to experience the pain that accompanies the thought. When we can stay with the pain as a pure physical sensation, at some point it will, will dissolve and then we move into the truth, which is every that everything is perfect in being as it is. Now, when she says pure physical, it means physical in addition to all the other uh, aspects of sensation because sensation itself isn't purely physical but it is physical uh, because it's not a matter of either or it's a whole being sensation and it's only painful because we insist it shouldn't be that way Get into a kind of a almost a hostile 
know, kind of, you know, attitude toward him and with a lot of generalizing thoughts about how he is, um, they kind of have to stop. Yeah. And, and that's the, the very title of this chapter, False Generalization, is a practice support, a reminder to notice generalizations and then to use that noticing as an opportunity to look at what we're believing and then to do what's skillful, whether it's being body, mind, breathing, being this experiencing, whether it's asking, you know, is that generalization true? Maybe we need to do that before we're even ready to breathe and be present. Um, And it's a matter of seeing what our capacity of this moment practice is. I mean, it's easy to say um, something, but it's really a matter of seeing what to do right now rather than making hard and fast rules. And that grows out of the maturity of your practice, of your ongoing practice, and the ability to see what's called for now, the ability to be what's so now. Um, So, good. Being, you have to be willing to experience the pain that accompanies the thought. I mean, it, it was not easy for me to sort of admit to myself, you know, or to feel or to to feel the, the pain of the thought that, you know, I don't know if I'm equal to this task. I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to do this. And, you know, so, you know, it's, or, you know, feeling inadequate or whatever it was. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's not easy. It's easier to just be like, he's such a bad I don't know why he's the director of this important part is to to see what's called for in our practice effort and to do it and to do it because we keep doing the other so to speak as she as Joko said at the end uh, of course in a few minutes we'll be doing it again doing what doing the self-centered thoughts generalizations stories, um, believing those as a way of avoiding being, doing this moment. So, sounds like there aren't many people there. Three of us here. Ah, okay. And I'll chime. Ah, good. There is another person there. <laughs> uh, I, I can't 
sure exactly. I think it's page 175. I'm looking on my iPad, and the pages don't always... Yes. Uh, I think this paragraph or part of it that I is what Lisa's talking about, and, and I've got a memory way back about that. And I think it's page 175, and the paragraph starts with, take the experience of having been the The last paragraph. Okay. Yes, yes. Thank you. Take the experience of having been hurt. When we've been criticized or treated unfairly, it's important to note the thoughts we have and move into the cellular level of being hurt, so that our awareness becomes simply raw sensation, our trembling jaw, the contraction in our chest, whatever we may be feeling in the cells of our body. This pure experiencing is sozen. Yes. This cellular sensation, I'm Remembering back um, before I got tenure, and I have to go see the director every year to get the evaluation, and they weren't always good. Um, I can remember the jaw trembling and, and sitting in his office just shaking and trying to control that. And so I was really experiencing fear. fear my job, fear of um, having to, some of these criticisms where I, I would have to um, speak yes. so, to them and give my version of, you know, what was what. So anyway, yes. I'm remembering the trembling jaw and the shakes and so on. Well, that's right after where you stopped, where she says, this pure experience is Zazen. And then she says, as we stay with it, our desire to think or to remember and to stay with those memories comes up again and again. Judgments, opinions, blames, retorts. Because that's part of the process of being human. And yet that those that come up in all the different forms are again opportunities to uh, label or notice and, as she puts it, return. It's, you're not really returning because you can't be anywhere, but being the cellular experiencing, which is almost indescribable. Um, and that's what we keep wanting to run from in our stories about, or our false generalization, to use the, t- the title of the... so, And it's sort of like an almost... Um, uh, I was going to say instantaneous, seemingly instantaneous process where it keeps going, going back and forth. And it, it sometimes seems like a great struggle to just stay present to the bodily experiencing, as you were saying, being with the dean, listening to her or him, or even being there silently and not saying anything, or noticing all the things you want to say and still staying with it because you decide those aren't the best things to say. 
um, that's the retorts, blame, etc. Whether to say them to yourself or to that the other person or so forth. Yes. So, in a way, pure cellular level means simply the experiencing bodily life that we are. You are not other than your cellular level, except when you stick to something else. And cellular doesn't exclude your name and your particular color hair or lack of hair or anything else. That's cellular, etc. So, yeah, good. Yes, we can see what we're doing and what so-called they are doing. And we can be okay. This is a, a false generalization that I work with sometimes. And that as a Zen student, I should feel that way. <laughs> Now, we could say, as a Zen student, I see it's not so useful to say that, what I feel to them. But feelings aren't in your control that I know of. And I don't know whose control they would be in. They arise and pass just like thoughts just like all sorts of other ways we speak of being human. It's the holding on to them. And even that's not our choice, except that when it happens, we get the choice to notice or not notice. We get the choice to use that as a opportunity to open that holding to it or to keep on playing it along and play, and putting it out there to blame or to act on or to justify or to cogitate about in all sorts of ways and make theories. Good. I think we've covered this chapter, though we could do more. And so, don't be done with it, but I think we've, we've, we've done, unless you have something more to say. One other little place to read, and this goes right along with what you just said. Um, 176, I think. Um, resistance. And practice go hand in hand. Wait a second. Oh, yes, hand. at the top of 177, the oh. first paragraph. Oh, uh, resistance and practice go hand in hand. We all resist our practice because we all resist our lives. And if we believe in concepts, 
instead of experiencing the moment where my, how do you say his name? Nasruddin. We're sprinkling breadcrumbs on the flower beds to keep the tigers away. Yeah, and what she means by resisting our lives is we draw the think about and and tell stories of and make reasons for than be this experiencing. Not that stories and reasons, etc., are not our lives, but if they're the whole of our lives, then they blind us to what's called for um, to keep the tigers away. Um, so, good. Okay, next week, listening to the body. And as far as I can tell, next week is the 28th, and I expect to be here. Um, To the extent that I know what the universe is going to do, we'll speak then. Thank you all. Until then. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night.